Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Oh yeah. All right. Welcome to Stockholm Local. My name's Aaron Bonnier and I'm your host. I'm here with Michael Lind, who's the founder of the Dedicated Institute and also of Uniforms for the Dedicated, which is a clothing line based in Sweden. And of course, our amazing producer, Frederick Okazaki. Hello. Who's here always with us. And today we're talking about emerging future. Most people um, have some sort of picture of sustainability. And I always talk about, it's interesting to know where that picture comes from. So I believe, and this is doing some research as well. That on Google. L- on Google. <laughs> <laughs> um, that this picture that most people in society would have about sustainability stems from the environmental movement. So it's from the 50s, 60s, 70s, where we did great things. Like we started to notice the effects that um, businesses were having on the planet. And there was sort of a revolution. But a lot of this was about shaming big corporations. And obviously you have a right to do that. But in big corporations, people work, who are individuals. I mean, their parents, their brothers, their sisters, their mothers, their kids... You know, they're individuals. And as soon as you put people in this shaming, it's really hard to act and to make big change. So I felt that was a major part of the environmental movement, which we then transported into, you know, the 21st century and how we operate today. So everything in the environmental movement today is about doing less bad. So use less water, less pollution, less chemicals, you can take it on a bigger level, less poverty, less war. Everything is about that in, in the way we communicate and the way we operate. So one of the interesting perspectives we choose to have was like, okay, if we do this less, this um, operation of doing less bad things in the world, what happens when we do it really well and we reach a level where we're at zero? So we use zero water, zero electricity, we have zero impact, we have zero poverty, etc. Then people are going to be like, hooray, that's great. Sure, this is the aim for most um, 
global environmental treaties. A lot of governments aim for zero. And we Sweden like, wants to be carbon neutral by 2030, I think. Yeah. Which is impossible, right? Yeah. I'm, I mean, that's what I, from, I've talked to other yeah. environmental people that I've said. But, I mean, that's going to be a challenge. Yeah. But um, so we have this perspective of zero, like a neutrality. And that's great for Sweden. We love neutrality. <laughs> Such <laughs> yes, a neutral country. Um, but climate neutral, I mean, that's great. But I think we um, start to ask ourselves the question, what happens when we go above zero? What happens when we're on plus one or plus 10? Like when we have positive impact from everything we make. So I have a microphone in front of me now. Let's say that we had the ability to make this microphone or anything, the clothes that we're wearing, and every time we produce it, it has a positive impact on the planet and on people. I think this is a perspective the environmental movement has never thought about because they're so focused on doing less bad all Mm -hmm. the time. But if you choose this perspective, and it's very much a choice, you start operating a completely different game, like the level. And I'm not saying that we should stop doing the stuff that the environmental movement is doing or like how corporations are moving today. I'm just saying there's another way as well. And you can choose to be there. It's, it's, um, we see it as more fun. It's more um, futuristic and optimistically driven. So what we try to do is find projects that are what we define as climate positive. So projects that reinforce the planet and our lives. And this sounds really, really great. And it's, um, I think, from a visionary level, really interesting. But people want it to be tangible. So like, Mm -hmm. yeah, show us a product. Like if I had something today that I can measure and say, this has positive impact on the planet, then it would be great. Um, So we decided to sort of challenge that perspective. And since we have a fashion background, we're currently looking in how to um, make the first climate positive uh, textile fiber in the world. So what that actually means is um, we've taken greenhouse gas, which most people maybe don't know that much about it, but they know it's something bad. Mm-hmm. It's something to do uh, with, the, with the atmosphere. And it's, um, the cause is because we burn fossil fuels and we create um, different greenhouse gases that then affect the climate. So that's general knowledge that people would have. And you don't have to go into it on a deeper level. So what we do is we take these things that people know is bad, and it's um, the greenhouse gas is then converted with a biocatalyst into uh, a bioplastic. So it's like hard plastic, and this is done today. So we remove the bad stuff from the atmosphere, that all the global treaties, uh, like the UN treaties, and um, like 200 countries around the world last year signed a treaty in Paris, which was about removing or lowering, uh, doing less bad, mm-hmm. so lowering their greenhouse gas emissions by 2030, which is a good thing, of course, even if the pace is kind of slow. I know that's my opinion. Um, so what we do is we take these greenhouse gases and we convert them into bioplastic. And then bioplastic, when we saw this this um, solution for the first time, we were like, wow, what kind of products are, are being made from this? And it was really, really boring stuff. Like 
a piece of plastic that you put inside a car somewhere or a plastic bag or like a plastic parked for a chair. It's like. And how long have they had this method? Um, this has been around for... The science around this started like 10 years ago and the first commercial product was launched um, about two to three years ago. So this is technology that's available. Is it just more expensive to do? Is that why they haven't been doing it across the board yet or how no it's 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 cheaper actually uh than than using something based on fossil fuel but we live in this fossil fuel society where things are locked in in systems that's why change is so so slow um but that's the great thing about fashion so when we saw this product for the first time and we were seeing the stuff they were making we were like fuck this is so good not to bring to the fashion industry. Because the great thing about fashion is it has this hook on consumers, on everybody, because it's propelled by three major things. And it's consumerism as a global, you know, massive movement and on sex appeal and your and my vanity. Mm -hmm. So we buy because we're vain. Mm. You know, every day we look in the mirror and we know, what do we feel? Okay, then I put this on, I may, might feel better. So everybody can relate to that. Mm-hmm. Even people who say that they don't care what they look like have st- still chosen what they wear mm-hmm. every day. It's an expression day. of who, what you're feeling, who you are. Too, yeah, and sure. yeah, because I mean, if you're really uncomfortable in a suit, I know a lot of people who are, and you have a suit on, I mean, that sets your flavor for the entire day. So we're affected even if you pretend that we don't care. So the great thing about fashion is that you can use it because everybody's kind of still buy clothes. So when we saw this technology, it's like, great, it needs to be in the fashion industry and no one has done it before. So now we're developing from a plastic product, which is pretty boring, to an actual textile fiber. And the interesting part, which most people don't know, is... You talk about um, natural fibers because we've been programmed to think that they're the best, like wool or cotton or whatever, linen or something. But I think it's about 63, 4, 5% of all textile fibers globally are synthetic. So they're made from oil. Mm -hmm. And what we know about the future is that this is just going to keep increasing because we can't grow more stuff because um, of climate change and demand. So it has to change. And also it's more likely that we'll put technology into synthetic fibers than natural fibers. Right, because also going back to the organic cotton, which I wanted to mention when, you know, like H&M is the biggest buyer of organic cotton in the world and these things, so that's sustainable, but it's not really because, not to go into the shaming thing, I don't want to do that, but because you're using water and land and that's not sustainable long-term. No, so to go into something like this is really the future. Yeah, I mean, um, I think, I don't know what the, do you know, Eland, no, Uland, mm. what's this English? Uh, uh, developing countries. Developing countries. So I, I think we have to look at um, a country like Sweden um, as a developing country. Like we always think that we're on the forefront, but we're actually starting starting over in a way, Mm -hmm. you know, going into a new paradigm where pretty much every business out there is sort of um, 
I mean, where we produce stuff at least, uh, is something from the industrial revolution. Like we still produce in the same way. And I don't think if uh, a fashion brand in the future, because fashion hasn't been disrupted yet. Like we haven't digitalized fashion yet. So when that happens, we're going to move away and we actually start over again. So that's mm-hmm. in a way we're a developing country. And then we won't even think about having a poor farmer in Bangladesh grow our cotton so we can buy a T-shirt for like $5. Right. That's not going to be relevant. And we don't want to consume it that way either. So it's more likely that an emerging fashion brand will, that's relevant in the future will be um, probably born in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. That's where technology is. It's it's not putting it in a sweatshop in Mexico or India or whatever. Like that Do you whole see them setup these, is these so brands bad. that I mean, to, uh, let's take for instance. Uh, I mean, I know you consult for H and M, so I don't want to, you know, but a, a big fast fashion brand right now who has their systems down. It's very hard for them to completely start at zero again and become one of these um, emerging innovative fashion brands mm. do you see it in the future not being these brands that are existing and being new ones because is it more difficult yeah it's definitely i have this expression that innovation is hard because you're really good at what you do so um i mean i think that most high street brands will probably uh, not be long i mean they won't be around in, in 15, maybe even 10 years time. Because um, since fashion is one of the last sort of major like global industries that hasn't been disrupted yet, that only means that the longer we wait, the faster that switch is going to be. Um, and I think because I spend a lot of time outside the fashion industry for a very simple reason, like Innovation happens when we get infected. It's almost like a virus. So if I go to a, a new environment and I pick up a virus and then I bring it back. So if you're just in this incubated um, um, setting all the time, you're never going to get infected by new technology, new ideas and so on. And I see this struggle with, with big organizations. They don't let themselves be exposed to new things, mm-hmm. to be infected by new ideas and new technology, because they're always into risk management. <laughs> Ooh, how do we deal with this? Well, let's not go there. That's uncomfortable for them. Yeah, that's really uncomfortable, because mm-hmm. then we actually have to challenge ourselves. Right. Um, so, um, and I mean... not that. And also, I just want to jump in, because I don't want to give fast fashion brands such a bad name, because even designers like Chanel is the lowest on the fashion transparency index. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you're talking about Prada, Fendi, Chanel, all these brands that people think, oh, I mean, that's somewhat sustainable. I'm going to have it for a long time. But, I mean, they don't give a shit. They yeah. really don't. No. They have, like, no initiative to even, at least H&M is super transparent and trying to a degree. But these brands don't care at all. So you're looking at from the most expensive designer level down to the fast fashion brands that are cheap where this is a problem. Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, And that's why I love that um, at some point, we don't know when the entire industry is going to be massively disruptive. I mean, the same way that... By consumer? I mean, don't consumers need to shift? 
we have so much marketing coming at us all the time that we need something new. We need it now. We need, I mean, that is one of the biggest tools that's affecting us. And mm. I see that even with me. I, when I moved to Sweden, I took myself off all the emails from Net-A-Porte and mm. Matches Fashion and all these things because I was so sick of getting them all the time. And I don't subscribe to any fashion magazines anymore. And I really just, I stopped following a lot of fashion bloggers on my social media. And my personal need and want desire for something new went down so much. Like I shop so much less. Also, Sweden doesn't have as much to shop for than London did. But <laughs> yeah. I that desire left because I no longer had daily shit in my face all the time in my head of like, oh, you need this new thing. This new thing's coming. You need that. So there's, I mean, how is that going to stop? Because it seems with... Um, this digital age and social media, we're constantly being shown this all the time. And then that makes us want more. Yeah. I mean, that's that's um, a massive battle for consumers. I think we're looking at a huge um, kind of uh, awakening of consumers because they're so locked into this belief that they need things. To um, make us happy. To make us happy. Um but also that it's, I notice, especially when I talk to um, um, young adults and, and do speaking stuff for schools, like teenagers, because they, I always talk about their voting power. And they're like, what do you mean voting? It's like, that's every fourth year in Sweden. And no, no, no. Like if you have an allowance or something monthly or you have an extra, you know, little job that you do, you have money. And maybe you get money from your parents. It doesn't matter. You have money. So every time you go to a store and you buy something, you vote. Mm -hmm. You say, I accept this brand, the products you do, how you do it, what you stand for, everything. By putting um, money on the table and exchanging it. But as soon as you don't like it, you stop voting for them. And what you do is you communicate what you feel with your mobile devices. And that is immense power, but consumers don't understand, especially young consumers, because they're like, oh, it's just little me, and here's the big brand. No, but... And also, they with people that don't have as, a certain amount of money, they can't afford to sometimes use that. For, you know, it, a lot of people have to buy... Let's say McDonald's because it's cheaper for them. Than, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that level of yeah. things as well. And I think that teenagers especially, we're not – I remember being a teenager. You're thinking just in that day of I want this versus the impact that it has. Yeah. But they're, they're so – one of the biggest um, um, worries that uh, young adults have is with sustainability and what's happening to our planets. And the, the um, troublesome – part of it is that they don't feel that they have any options, like that they can only go to H&M because that's what they can afford as mm -hmm. a consumer, as that, that demographic. Um, but with like digital technologies where you don't have to buy things, you can, you can rent it, you can lend it, you can share it, stuff like this, uh, all of a sudden they have options. Okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to start just buying secondhand or this, there's this share service or some other peer-to-peer -peer activity involving fashion. And when that happens, it's so fast. Like, look at all the big um, digital trends. Like, they, they, 
they emerge from nowhere and become giants in like five years, 10 years. Like the biggest digital companies, except maybe Apple, Google, like they're so young and mm-hmm. they happen so fast. So that hasn't really happened in fashion yet. But when it happens, you can bet your ass that consumers are going to be unfaithful because we love to be unfaithful because we love to upgrade. Mm-hmm. As soon as something better comes along, we switch instantly from one day to another. And what happens then if you're a big organization, uh, like a high street brand, they have no, even if you have billions in the bank, you can't follow your consumers because they're too fast for you. They change instantly. And I'm so curious about when that's going to happen in fashion because it's going to definitely just that it's it's bubbling now and that was I, I was talking about why I stay outside of the fashion industry is because uh, the infection or the revolution is going to come from a little startup in Boston or San Francisco or you know um, Cologne or Stockholm <laughs> or whatever but it's not going to come from one of the big brands right that has never happened in history not even I think one of the examples that always comes up is like, oh, remember Apple, how they sort of, you know, started making iPhones and this completely took over the world market. Yeah, that was because they they were a digital company, but they have never made phones before. So they infected a new industry. If they had made phones for 10 years, they probably wouldn't have come up with an iPhone. They would have been stuck in that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, exactly. You can see this with every industry. Every yeah. industry. So it's it's not like I'm sitting here guessing. I'm just looking at, you know, what have we created the last 100 years? Well, it's a recipe that looks like this. Mm-hmm. Innovation and disrupting, uh, like disrupting uh, big markets always comes from outside. It's like being infected by a virus. So that's why if you're on the outside, you will most definitely find it faster than if you stay on the inside. And you have a different perspective, which is needed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. You bring something new to the table. Because I see that like so many, I mean, I have a lot of friends in the fashion industry too. And I mean, I love them and I love what they do. But it, for me, because I'm not in the fashion industry, sometimes I'm like, okay, another brand. All right. You know, like yeah. it feels like, <laughs> What's new? What, what, you know, this, this is being done so much. It feels like it's such a saturated market. Yeah. It's like, what, what's new? What's next? Yeah. Like, bring me something. You know, that- fashion designers have a huge responsibility today and, uh, and also a massive uh, opportunity. Like, if you're going to start a brand, like, what are actually bringing consumers? Like, you can't just like, oh, I've done a dress that's a little bit like this and I chose a pattern that no one's done before. That's not cutting it. Like, no. you're not doing anything to benefit the world. It's just for your own good. Yeah. Like, But if you can do a dress or whatever product you want to do and say that, fuck, this empowers the planet because we're actually saving a rainforest completely in the Amazon by this technology. It's going to come from technology, not from... A traditional way of thinking. You have to bring innovation into the industry. Otherwise, you're just continuing the same path. And it's really easy to do that because most education is based on traditional learning in the textile industry. Um, 
Are there classes in fashion schools right now that are talking about innovation in fashion and these kinds of things that you're talking about? Um, like the the main schools, Parsons, St. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they? I mean, yeah. Do they have people saying not just like organic cotton, but going on another level, like what you're talking about? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and there's this little little gap because you can learn a bunch of great stuff uh, in school if you if you go to St. Martin's or Parsons or whatever or some school here in 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 Stockholm, you can do that. But if if you then go finish your degree and end up at a, as a designer at H&M, this, it just cuts your limbs off yeah. in, in the potential that you actually have. Well, you're also, the strategy is so opposite <laughs> of what, you know, you, oh, it needs to last this amount of washes and like yeah. you know, the cycle of buying, they create these things. So it's, it totally, you're off. Yeah, completely. You're totally off missing the mark if yeah. you jump into something like that. So I think it's it's more interesting to look at um, designers who have somehow um, fused the design world, design thinking with technology. Like how, um, what happens when, when you get an MIT student and someone's from Parsons who, you know, let their ideas have sex. Mm-hmm. What comes out? How does that dress look like? You know, that's more interesting than just have someone who's cradled in a classic design school. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Making patterns and then making it on a sewing machine. And just finding some factory in China or Asia or whatever. Yeah, because that will most likely happen. Yeah, um, exactly. So it, it needs. They're trying to, be, to survive. They're trying to survive, but um, I think there's a responsibility to have more critical thinking and big picture thinking. So, what are the options? You talked about the greenhouse gases being converted into plastics. What are other things going on right now that are methods that designers potential designers and scientists could be using Hmm. so i think um i haven't looked into the statistics of this but uh i think i i got this from 
Uh, Elin, who is the sustainability head of sustainability at Flipa K, who are doing really great stuff, she at some point, I think we're doing speaking engagement together, said that 80% of the environmental impact comes from the design phase. So the, the immense, um, which I mean, because you decide um, where product is produced, depending on what kind of materials you've chosen. So um, the patterns, everything, the washes, everything in a product. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what the, the last 20% are. So what you need to do as a designer is educate yourself in impact. So the choices I make, I need to understand what's going to happen if I make them. So it's about education on, on a completely different level. And with that, you can make different choices. But I think it's branching out of the traditional design thinking and teaming up because everything today is about co-creation and collaboration. Yeah. So teaming up with other people have those skills that you're actually lacking as a designer. Because if you're putting time and money into becoming a designer, you also want to be relevant in the future when you're finished after three, four years, whatever. So what kind of things are you actually missing as a designer? And are you helping to link? I know because we didn't really talk about the dedicated institute, but you co-founded it. Mm-hmm. And this is what you're working with with these sustainable materials, mm. sustainable, sustainable methods um, and innovation, I guess, innovative methods, I should say. So at the dedicated institute, I know that you also speak to different people, consult with different companies. Are you working on matching fashion designers with people doing these methods or how how are you going about that um i think the most interesting project we're doing right now is something called the planetary opportunities so stockholm has this mm, great resource which is part of the university so stockholm university which is is called stockholm resilience center and for more than 10 years now they've developed probably some of the best scientific data that we have today that surfaces the problems um, which they in a scientific way show how we fucked up the planet so it's very measurable but the the thing about science is it just surface problems so it just says we've done a b and c so there's no solutions to it so what we're doing is taking these boundaries that they've created and said don't cross these because then we're in serious trouble um, and then we look at the intersection between science and um, leadership and innovation. And we say with these three areas, we should be able to point out where the next business opportunity will be within the science that, you know, um, the leading scientists have provided us with. So we want to show... Um, where the solutions are. So eventually, hopefully next year, we'll have a tool. So if you're starting a business, like say you're a design student, then we will have a tool for you to say, okay, this is probably the best area for you to start a business in, which will have a positive impact on the planet. So today, since this knowledge isn't available for students, they would most likely resort to everything that they know traditionally mm-hmm. uh, or everything that the industry has done up until now, which is just like, in a way, putting themselves in a, a very outdated way of working. Yeah. So they're making themselves in a slow way 
go out of business because that's what's going to happen with the entire well, they're industry. They're not going to be very relevant. No. So we're trying to create a, a, a method and a toolbox for them to sort of navigate um, with using the best science available today to say this is the direction you need to go if you want to create this type of brand or this type of product or this type of organization. So that's pretty much what we're doing. Right. It's exciting because there's not many other people doing what you're doing in no, fashion. We're kind of alone. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit. And what yeah. and what are some of the brands that you, Philippe K are you consulting with then? And we do some stuff with them. Yeah. I know H and M. Yeah. And I can't disclose all of our. No, you can't disclose everyone. <laughs> but still, uh, I mean, it's definitely. I feel it's so important for people to hear this because when I talk to my peers about sustainability, it's like almost to the point where they're over it in a way. Some yeah. of them are just like, oh God, yeah. And like the shame happens. I mean, I get the shame. When my husband comes, I always buy organic meat and all this stuff and meat I shouldn't even be buying really because that's a whole other issue. <laughs> yeah. 30% carbon of the carbon footprint is meat. And I was talking to someone at the Stockholm Environmental Institute who told me Sweden's in the top eight of consumers in the world yeah. because of their meat consumption and their traveling. So for a country that says they're sustainable, they're not, you know, big, big consumers. And I'm not trying to put shame there, but I'm saying I have the shame. When my husband comes home from the grocery store with non-organic meat, I feel shame. I feel mm-hmm. shame that I'm going to feed my kid this meat. I feel shame that, like, it's, it's, it's something I can't get away from, even though, like, I, I try to be – sustainable of what I think is sustainable. I try to buy organic when I can. I try, I th- I'm trying to look at the labels of where things are made and all these different things. But at the same time, I like, just went to H&M and bought my kids some clothes and I felt bad for mm. doing that mm. because I felt like, God, but I don't know what to do, mm. you know? And I'm, I'm not the norm because I, the norm is they don't care, <laughs> you know, or they're maybe they do a little bit, but they're still trying not to think about it. Like yeah. denial is going on. Yeah. For me, I'm aware, I'm feeling the shame, but yet I still, there's not enough options out there for me to understand what can I put my money towards? What can I put my vote towards? Mm. This is why I described it as we are, um, we are on the other side of the coin, so we think that we're so far ahead, but we are a developing country because we can provide just decent options for, for our citizens. Like if you go to a shop today and you feel like, oh, if I buy this, you know, I feel bad, but I'm in a rush. I have to get it fast because I can't mm. go around town <clears throat> to get that product, which is in that special store. It should be the other way around. Like all <clears throat> the bad products, if we live in a free market, we're allowed to produce any product you want. Yeah. We should make sure that all the bad products are far away or, you know, it's a detour to get there. And we should supply our citizens with great products that, you know, empower the planet and people that live on it. Right. And then we will buy them if that's what's available. Yeah. And you take away this whole uh, concept of people feeling bad because they have to consume um, you know, everyday products, but they don't have time to get the special products, which shouldn't be special because, you know, the special thing the is norm. that they don't fuck up the planet. Yeah, That should be something gray and not special. <laughs> I mean, that should be a norm. Yeah, But that's why we're on this first level of being a developing country that has to move away from an old system, you know. And um, we have to have everybody on board to do that um, shift to another level. To, so we call it to upgrade society. 
it's not just like for privileged people or you know it's like the entire society needs to be upgraded everything we do and it's really i think that the major thing is moving away from something that still kind of works for a lot of people into something that's really really so much better right because if the the current situation was so fucked up then a lot of people would really want to get out of it fast but we're not on a lifeboat in the mediterranean no. we're in our homes in stockholm which is easy and the majority of people i mean are selfish i mean we are all selfish but the majority of people a lot of people i know too it's like well if this is available i mean like i'm gonna buy it why wouldn't i you know who cares like there's this level of denial like if it's here then it's here and i'm gonna get it so it's like the the shift has to be almost forced on these people in a way of they don't feel the force but when but what's available becomes yeah you know that 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 new thing and then they just buy that yeah because that's what's there and that's what's available So it's just, when does that happen? And right now, like for someone like me who cares about this stuff, what can, what can I do? What? Like, where can I buy? What, 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 like, you know, in terms of fashion at least or something like that, like what would you recommend? Or do you not want to tell me? No, I, uh, I definitely Ded- want to share, for the dedicated. share, share my... my uh, <laughs> How do um, I get a hold of products? There's not really products I can buy right now made with these materials. No. Uh, within the next um, two to three years, I think we're going to see a, a, a little bit of a revolution in uh, materials. Um, I see some really interesting stuff coming out. I'm on, on a board with a program. It's actually a government program called Mistra Future Fashion. And it's a eight-year-long program involving... Um, some of the best scientists and uh, it's it's got companies and uh, government funding for the entire period to create a systemic change in fashion. So we look at the business model, we looked at materials, uh, we look at the whole supply chain, uh, we look at consumer behaviors that have to change. And we see a lot of things, especially like in material innovations and I'd say uh, business models. I mean, we live in a world that we're going so much faster towards um, um, people don't really want to own, but we still think that we want to own. But what we want is access to things. Like you want, you want to have something, but you don't necessarily want to have to own it. But that's the way we always thought that we uh, engage and consume. Mm-hmm. But if you can have. And just borrow a car and get a new car Netflix. every every year. We yeah, don't Netflix. own anything, but we we yeah. pay a little bit to see. If whatever. you can have Netflix with everything in your life, that'd be amazing. You just subscribe to wardrobes, subscribe to everything, you know. And that's um, yeah, that's definitely a new business model. We see it in fashion slowly. We started with with our own brand, uh, a collection library, about three years ago. So you can go in our store um, and rent suits, for instance. Because a lot of people don't wear suits. For the dedicated, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're going to formal, you know, someone's thirtieth birthday wedding or funeral or whatever, but you're not a suit person, why do you spend thousands of buying a suit that you wear once or twice? Mm -hmm. Go and rent it. Uh, We see this on. Obviously, women are better consumers uh, than men. 
I mean, you consume for yourself, you consume for your children, and you consume a lot for your for your for your partners as well. Yeah. Um, so if we can make life easier in 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 giving them access to more clothes without having to buy them, that's a massive way on uh, actually limiting our um, carbon offset. Right. So I hope. And I think this is definitely for like premium products, luxury products. It's really hard to have like a renting service on something that's produced in Bangladesh and costs, you know, whatever, 200 crowns. And you, those clothes, it's sad because there's such a buildup of all these yeah, 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 um, yeah. clothes that are just yeah. causing like environmental damage. And where are we putting them? Yeah. Sending them to like third world countries to sit in piles and <laughs> rot basically. Yeah. I see uh, there's because um, um, what we've done is become really great at stocking our wardrobes. Like yeah. we build these piles and we like every every time you move, you do this massive clean. And mm-hmm. in Sweden, we have these big black garbage bags that we fill. And then we, tr- you know, we f- try to figure out where to get rid of all these clothes. And sometimes it's donated. Sometimes it's thrown away. Now there's this service called Selpi which is really good. They You order a bag home, fill it with all your clothes. They take care of it. They sort it. They take photos of all your stuff and they put it online for sale. And if it's sold... It's called Selpie? Selpie. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I should have known about that before I gave everything to my babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the, the good thing is that it gets used. If it gets used, yeah. that's the key point. The worst thing is when it, it gets thrown away because yeah. it, it, it most likely will end up in in a landfill and after a while that starts to mold and it creates methane gas and methane gas is what 24 times more potent than carbon dioxide yeah well this is what made me stop buying high street for myself Uh, i haven't bought anything from czar h&m or anything for myself since i moved to sweden because after moving from london to sweden and getting rid of everything i got (laughs) rid of was high street yeah because i wanted to hold on i love vintage so i hold on to my vintage i hold on to you know Things that I feel are going to last much longer, especially if I wanted to pass it on to kids or whatever. But all everything I was, didn't want anymore was like this kind of the high street stuff. Yeah. So after seeing me dump like six garbage bags or donator, it was just for me. I was like, that's enough. Yeah. I'm but, wasting my money, and I'm not doing being sustainable. No. I think that's a problem with with the high street brands because people don't really want the products; they just want to have it for a very short time period. Yeah. You know, it's 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 um, it's really like a one night stand syndrome for for fashion, and it know. screws you up mentally. I think because when yeah. I when I feel I cleanse myself, getting rid of all that stuff, I yeah, felt yeah. I feel so much better now. When I buy something now, I really have a discussion in my head: Do I really need this? Do I really want this? Is this something I'm going to get rid of in like six months? You know, before I do it, because otherwise I don't want it. Then I feel I feel shame buying stuff yeah. now that I just don't need. My husband might disagree with that, but it's true. I really do. <laughs> so, but it's still that that point of purchase that gets people because uh, most people will have um, an emotional enjoyment of you buying get endorphins. Things. Like yeah. you do get endorphins. Yeah, there's, so. there's definitely uh, emotional reaction in the body that still triggers people and some sends them to a happy place. Yeah, but I uh, find actually my little method for doing that is. Sometimes when I feel like I want to buy something, I go on like net a or something and I fill my shopping basket and I spend like, 
you know, time looking. And then I go back and look at it and delete, delete. And then I delete everything. And I'm like, oh, that was nice. For a minute, I felt like I bought some stuff. And then I realized I don't need it, you know. You transcended the window shopping to like a virtual experience. Yeah. I just enjoyed pretending like I was going to buy a lot of stuff. And then I looked at it and I was like, do I need that? Do I need that? No, I don't. The only thing that I really get excited about is buying good vintage. That's something that really gets me excited because it's no one else has it. You know, it's one of a kind in a way. Of course, it's somewhere else, but it just feels the quality of a lot of beautiful of vintage garments is so different. Mm. The way it was tailor made, and yeah. and that for me is exciting. But you know, this shopping experience that we have and that we've it's it's so fabricated. It's almost like. Um, because we're so programmed through society. I mean, you mentioned it uh, several times with how much we're bombarded with, with advertising. Mm-hmm. It's almost like trying to quit smoking or alcohol or something. It's such a heavy addiction. I'm doing these quotes. Uh, Especially for now. women. Because Definitely. that hits us at our, you know, trying to look good. And men, it's like their careers usually. Yeah, not. Yeah. I mean, Swedes are going to be like, oh, no, that's not being equal. That's being sexist. But I'm saying, like, typically the man is like the career and the woman has to look good. Yeah. That's like the number one thing for us. Yeah, Plus yeah. we have other stuff we have to do. But so it really gets us because we feel like we need to be in fashion all the time. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, there's, there's two very basic communications in, in um, men and women that we see in, in, in advertising. For men, it's money and power. And for, for, for women, it's, it's how you look and feel around that. But I think... Uh, we don't really need advertising. No, like I, we, so buy, we buy what's available overrated. too. Yeah. Like the only reason I'm buying this is because Brahms carries it and I happen to go there. Otherwise, if they had something different that was better, I would buy that. It's not like this is, there's, you know, I'm, I'm not actually that affected by advertising because I really don't tap into advertising that much at all. Um, it's just, okay, when I see what's in front of me. So I'm a sucker for packaging. I definitely am. Like I like packaging that. So that kind of the design aspect yeah. of things, I will choose a more natural looking packaging over some chemically looking thing in but terms of food. I'm and thinking drinks, that's but. really good. Uh, it's not advertising per se, but it's part of like you could have a shit product that's or not shit, but like uh, semi good product. But if it's packaged really, really well people will buy it as a premium product. Mm, yeah, I think people want to be validated. Yeah. It's yeah, like it's like these cinnamon buns. If I say like, no, I shouldn't have any because I don't want to gain weight. If you say, no, you'll be fine. I can feel good about eating. <laughs> or you feel if you good say, may, yeah, like, maybe you should. from a really then, good cafe. Yeah. Like I wouldn't eat them if they were from like Ika. I'd be like disgusting. No, but like, <laughs> no, like if they're from like a trendy cafe, I'm like, yeah. ooh, that's nice. It's baked in a nice little, the story behind it, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's like the story. Then you're thinking, oh, I deserve that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I could treat myself. Yeah, and yeah. like the background of the whole thing that, oh, it was baked by hand in this little, probably the ones at Ecar too somewhere. But for me, this just is packaged in a nicer thing. Yeah. So, yeah, well, cool. So we need these innovative methods <laughs> put on fashion. And we also need to shift what we think is cool away from like, oh, the designer, what's the latest designer trend to, to, okay, what's cool is actually putting our dollars where it counts into these innovative brands that are still going to be doing things that are on trend and in style. Mm. But the it's adding a whole other element. 
Yeah. If we just, you know, trend the right stuff. Well, mm. the good thing about living in Sweden is, is if a couple of us start doing it, everyone else follows. Yes, we're really good <laughs> that way. <laughs> so we just need to all start doing that. Yeah. And then we can really be at the forefront of it. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we uh, in some areas we are. It's just like, it, it's, it's also you want to see things shift fast because, you know, it's, it's good stuff we're working with. Yeah. So you want that momentum to just like speed up a little bit. Yeah. It's funny though, because um, I always draw this statistic, um, which is there's something called the uh, Global Innovation Index. And every year they, they um, um, say what countries are most innovative. And Sweden is always number one or number two. And the interesting thing is that there's no innovation in fashion whatsoever mm. but we're still in the most innovative country in the world but there's a massive gap between you know one of the largest industries and i don't know fashion is probably at least are top. we really the most innovative i, I, I have a well, question there's, about because innovation is completely creating something new that had never happened before i feel like i'm going to be devil's advocate here but i feel like in sweden they're really good at taking something that's happened before and making it better. Plus, I think it's. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I think like. They, but it's based I, also on like on. So they're innovative and stuff. within maybe fine taking someone else's idea, but I think yeah. their original innovative idea typically comes from somewhere else. Uh, I I, th- I think this. Um, I haven't looked at, uh, into all the specifications, but it's based on patents and new companies and um, something that you can actually backtrack as innovation. Uh, that leads to something different, right? But uh, they're also we're also really good at we're great copycats, right? That's you know? what I guess what I was trying. So to So we're good at copying something and, and then it scaling better. it. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I guess there's nothing wrong in that. But no. I, I've always questioned why there's a massive gap in in innovation and fashion because it's one of the industries that needs uh, the most help to actually, you know, pair with the rest of the country. If the country is viewed as innovative, fuck, we have an a, a entire industry which has global impact, which is like a freaking dinosaur. Yeah, you know? there's just complacency there. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's scary in a way. But it has to be the new, it has to be brands we don't even know of yet that haven't even come forward because clear, like the ones that are existing are not really going to ever... No, Make I mean, it. my prediction is that they're going to, yeah, disappear. All right, did you hear that, young Swedes? We need you <laughs> to not go to fashion school, but go to, to to school science. Yeah. Study science. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the And then come meet up with stuff. Mike and make it happen. Yes. Well, that's exciting. And I think what you're doing is amazing. And, and an innovation and sustainability, I mean, it takes the sustainability to a whole other level. And I'm happy that people are going to be able to hear about this. Hooray. Woo! I would cheers with my ginger juice right now if you had one. <laughs> the disgusting There's ginger. There's no Peronis today. Sorry. <laughs> um, but anyways, thank you so much for being here. Thank it was you really for a pleasure. Having me. And um, yeah, we'll do something else together. Definitely. All right. Sounds good. Right. Thanks, Frederick. Thank you. Signing out. Peace. Bye. <laughs> oh, yeah. Even 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.